0: It's Wednesday, March 27th, 2019, and you're listening to episode 510 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 57 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. My name's Chad. All right, one quick announcement, then we're going to go right into it. I will put a link once again to the stuff related to the online Fear the Boot game convention. So if you are interested in attending an online convention... And this is not an official announcement. Yes. This is still in the, are the fans going to do it? Yes. But the reason that I'm mentioning it again is because we're actually doing this recording before the release, in which I actually give that link the first time. Mm. So I just want to make sure we keep that momentum going, even though as of this recording, we actually have no idea how much or how little momentum there is. All right, so we're going to roll right into it. Two episodes ago, we did our GM Christmas. As Game Masters, what we want for Christmas. and Legal cell phone jammers. You know, story (laughs) there. But this time around, we're going to do our player Christmas. A quick aside. Still a legal cell phone jammer. So when... (laughs) Cell phones were first becoming a big thing like late 90s, early 2000s. Cell phone jammers, at least when I went to price them, they were $200 and fully legal. Now, they're not anymore. They're now illegal. But you can make one out of a $5 Raspberry Pi. Yeah. Now, we're not recommending this because it is illegal. It is under federal law. 100% illegal to make, own, and use one. Yes, because you are basically wire jamming someone who could be dialing emergency services or could themselves be emergency services Mm -hmm. because a lot of them use either cell phones or cell phone frequencies. So we're not suggesting this, but... Back when I first priced one, there was only one guy in our group that had a cell phone because this was before smartphones. So these are like the old clamshell flip phones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You couldn't smartphone on this if you wanted to. So all it did was text and make phone calls. So, you know, no apps or porn. 10 key texting, too. Yeah. It was 10 key texting Mm -hmm. where you had, it was like dialing on a number Mm -hmm. pad. So the number one or whatever, I guess number two. I knew people that got
1: really good at that.
0: But this guy was constantly. And I mean, constantly getting these checkup calls from his girlfriend. Hmm. And that's it, a healthy relationship. Oh, yeah. It was, <laughs> dude, it was messed up. And so I got so sick of it that before we worked out the compromise of what we called woman breaks, and we're, cause we finally had a talk with her and, like, look, if we agree that we'll stop the game every couple hours and he can call you and whatever, can you please stop doing this? <laughs> and, and I don't mean to be sexist. He just called woman breaks because that's who the offender you was. You had an all-male group who were all straight. Well, and <laughs> it was only one woman at yeah. that. It wasn't everybody's girlfriend. You don't know. Maybe he had 10 women checking up on him. Maybe <laughs> no, that was the time.
2: problem. Yeah, was... And they only check up on him like once a day, but he's got like 10 or 20 of them.
0: Yeah, actually, I do kind of know, and I'm not going to go into too much detail because <laughs> I don't want to do that from the bully pulpit of the podcast. But I did look up a cell phone jammer. Yeah, And once again, at the time, they were $200 and 100% legal. You could buy one and drop it in the middle of a table, and you would be good to go. Those are the good old I didn't buy yeah. one. If I had one, I could still use it illegally, I guess, but mm-hmm. I would still have it. So, all right, let's talk about our player Christmases. I'm going to start off with one.
2: Look which, that, you've got a list. Wayne and I are coming in this with nothing. And <laughs> you got
0: a list to make yourself look smart. I have two items... <laughs> On a napkin. On <laughs> half of a paper towel. It's not even a napkin. This is half of a paper towel that I was eating Girl Scout cookies off of. So And he didn't share, by the way. Well, you guys weren't here when I was eating them. But all right. So my first one is accept creative solutions. Mm-hmm. I really do not like it when a game master is not willing to look at a solution on its merits. That he or she has either a specific solution in mind for a narrow band of solutions. They want this to be a combat encounter. Do you want to hear the counterpoint to that? Well, now I can give a counter. I'm curious what yours okay. is because I can yeah. give my own counterpoint. Yeah. What is yours? So, my
2: counterpoint with that as a game master. Sure. So, because apparently I have taken over the game master union from you. <laughs> you believe that now you're off Facebook, but go on. Yeah. Imagine you're running a game. Mm hmm. And you have this situation. Yeah, It could be a combat encounter. It could be a puzzle. It could just be a situation. It could be a role-playing story. Whatever. There is a thing that is happening. And the player comes up with some ideas. Now, they're not ideas that you thought of. They're very creative. As a game master, you need to like kind of go with that because it's all about player agency. It's about putting the spotlight on the players. It's not about how you envision the, the encounter to work out. It's about how they yes. work through it. Great. That's good game master. But what if they come to you with an absolutely idiotic idea? Oh, yeah.
1: Like, it won't work. It shouldn't work. Like it a can't flying work. dirigible?
2: Like a flying train okay. dirigible and, and, or shooting up a park full of people and then blaming it on kids who are smoking pot, even though there's camera evidence of
0: her I, using an assault rifle. So there's two related counterpoints that I would give, and you just hit one of them, right? which is number one. I'm not going to say you. I'm going to say I and mm. everyone listening that's going to this can apply this to themselves. Mm. I am not as clever as I think I am. Right. Okay. Yes. I have a lot of and ideas. I'm not exceedingly agreeing with you because sure. I think you're not clever. I am not as clever as I you think. Right, I am. right. And the yeah. assault rifle example you gave wasn't me anyway. Yeah. But the, the point being that. Maybe in real life. Yeah, <laughs> sure. But <laughs> what I would say is that. Not every idea I have, just because I'm enamored with it, mm-hmm. is therefore also a good idea. Right. And I think there are players certainly who come up with ideas that they feel in their mind is really clever or absolutely workable or whatever, and will not back off of the possibility that it just plain doesn't work. Mm-hmm. The second thing that I would throw out is sometimes an answer doesn't work. Even if it is clever, even if it is good, you get someone who comes into the store looking for money and they're jacked up on pcp and they're having a bad day and this that and the other this is only going to end with violence mm-hmm. all right that's just how it is yeah. you're not going to talk sauron down mm. from his evil right. bender okay you're not going to roll a crit 20 on your diplomacy check for right. sauron so, so
1: i have another one i will let me finish this okay. one then i'll pass i'll pass it to you to no you. i have second. another in with yours oh you have a time of mine okay yes. go ahead then So, my frustration is when the players always come up with the wild, big, creative ideas. It's really cool when it happens every now and then, but they walk into a situation. Uh, Let's say they're trying to get into a building. Well, I hack the satellite to fire a laser into the backyard so I can climb into the basement. You're holding the key. Yeah. Just use the key in fact <laughs> you have an appointment you called ahead yeah. they are expecting you so i love creative solutions but yeah. if you're being that out you're out thinking crazy yourself. every time when there's a simple solution that you yeah. have set in front of you sometimes you just knock on the door yeah. yeah
0: and i accept those limitations i accept there are simple solutions i accept that there is a band of acceptable solutions outside of which may be unacceptable or unworkable solutions. But I do appreciate it, and it makes my player Christmas, when the GM looks Mm -hmm. at something, whether it's me or someone else at the table, and says, you know, I did not think of that. I did not see that coming. But as I run this through the simulator of my mind, that makes perfect sense. You got it. I, I really don't like having to try and mind-read the GM because I don't know what they want. A lot
2: of the problems that GMs have is getting back to the thing where you have to kill your darlings, like Stephen King says. You know, you come up with this idea, and because you're also a player and you're an intelligent person, you come up with this situation and you have all these different ways of solving it in your mind, and now a different person with a different situation and a different way of looking at things has approached it from a different angle you didn't see. Well, that throws off your mojo it's like instantly because it's different and it's not yours your instinct is to say well that's wrong of course whereas you have to stop yourself from doing that as a game master you you have to like you said consider it Yeah. in fact I think that players need to understand that a good game master will say no to them but a good game master considers what they say they yeah. take it seriously see that was the thing with Phil's insane dirigible train thing is it was never going to work within the reality of that game on a different game. that is more gonzo maybe. But in that game that I was running, that was not a thing that happens. And he was so into it. And what I did is I'm like, okay, pitch it to me. I want to hear your pitch. I'm telling you right now, I don't think this is going to work for these reasons, but I'm listening. And I will say, I mean, I don't know the man's not here. I can't ask him. I think that did a lot for him because he was able to tell me his whole plan. He was really excited about it. He was really pumped about it. This is why he wanted to do it. This is why he was going for it. And at the end of the day,
0: I considered it and then I rejected it. (laughs) I am never going to be one to suggest absolute player fiat. Mm -hmm. I am not a yes and GM. Everybody play what we're you. You're a no you. damn it, GM. No, I'm <laughs> no, not that either. I'm a yes-but GM. Mm-hmm, right. I, I'm not a yes-and GM, but I'm also not a no-GM. It's a yes-but mm-hmm. you know, sort of thing. But getting back to the central point here is I want to know that my creativity has a point. If all I'm doing is shopping for plot triggers and all I'm doing is shopping for these very Boolean conditions of if I do this and this, then this will happen... Might as well play a video game. What if I'm running a game and, you know, present a situation to you? You put that, you you, here's your plan that
2: I obviously did not even think of. To get you your Christmas present, would you be willing, if I came to you and I did a yes, but it's like, well, I don't think that's going to work, Dan, but let's try and make it work. Well, or
0: even if you gave me a simple sell me on this. Yeah. I'd at least feel like I had my day in court. Right. I'd at mm-hmm. least feel like you were considering it. Yeah. And assuming you were sincere. Yeah. yeah. Assuming you were sincere well, about again, this. Again, with the with the Phil Train idea, I mean,
2: yeah, I blasted him as well as the entire table did. Of like, this okay. is the stupidest idea we've ever heard in our lives. And then I stopped. And I'm like, what's your pitch? Sell me. You have my 100% of tension, and I am 100% taking you
0: seriously. Yeah, Yeah, sell me on it. And that's, I would. And he did not sell me on it. (laughs) It's a hard one to sell, especially once you learn that most train engines, at least I don't know if they're still made this way, but how they've been typically made is somewhere between six and 12 inches of cement as the Mm -hmm. foundation of them. They're incredibly heavy. Yes. The balloon it would take to lift a train engine, I I can't Mm -hmm. even comprehend the size. But the thing that I've done that I could accept is when a gm says no mm-hmm. and i'm like okay hold on man to man here man to woman whatever will you at least hear me out can i at least explain to you why and if they say yeah and i once again i think they're sincere mm-hmm. they're not just blowing me off i can accept no yeah i mean i'm a big boy mm-hmm. my parents told me no i know how to handle mm-hmm. that you know mm-hmm. i'm not some kind of entitled sociopath or whatever. But I just want to feel like my creativity mattered. That yeah. I what I brought to the table was more than simply fulfilling quest conditions in a linear video game plot.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. So sure. one of the things that I was a Christmas present to me as a player for a GM is something that I'm bad at as a GM. I like a GM that can do traffic cop at the table.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So One of the things that frustrates me incredibly as a player is, say you have a table of five people, and you have this really serious role-playing moment going on between two of them, and then the other three are just joking and laughing, and you can't hear anything. I like a GM that can control the table without being controlling. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense, to be able to pop a comment here or there, people listen to, to be able to play that traffic cop, to keep the cross conversations, to... A reasonable mm-hmm. amount because cross-conversations okay. aren't bad but too often i've had uh, cases where two people were playing while the other three are not just get overwhelmed
0: yeah uh, would you put that uh, maybe in a bit of broader terms that i'm asking here this isn't leading but would you put this in the broader terms of having somebody at the table that's prepared to stand up for you socially
1: i think that's fair yeah to
0: say yeah we need to respect this person listen to this person I understand you guys are having fun. Yes, that's a really hilarious meme, but mm-hmm. L- Wayne's talking. Let's pay
1: attention to that. Yeah, cuz one of those things where I don't think it's necessarily just the GM's responsibility. It's yeah. everyone's responsibility as a player, but I love it when a GM does it. Right. And yeah. can has that control the same thing for when the game's about to start. Mm-hmm. The GM that will sit there's like, "Okay, we're starting." Yeah. Stop the crosstalk. Mm-hmm. Stop the, you know, the joking around. I like that assertiveness from a GM.
2: Yeah. One of our original GMs, Paul, uh, way, way, way back in the day, did this thing called the dome of IC. And it was really cheesy and silly, but there'd be all this talk and stuff. It's like, okay, okay. We now have, and he'd put his hands up and move his hands down in art. Say, we are now under the dome of IC where everything that is said is in character.
0: and, well, it worked. And it was, it, it well, and it was yeah. also, I think, part of the reason it worked was because of the fact that he would hold people to that. Yes. That when he put down the Dome of IC, for anyone who's not familiar with the abbreviations, Dome of in-character. Yeah. So anything that you say is in-character, if someone's like, oh, did you see that show? An NPC would be like, what show are you talking about? Right. You and know. We're in the Middle Ages. or like, And it's, you know. Yeah. Wayne, you're a jackass. Well, Wayne's character's name is Garthram, but it just so happens that the armed guard's name is Wayne. And- How <laughs> oh, dare yeah. well, you? It wasn't before,
1: me. but he is now. Yeah, yeah that's right.
0: And he told you accountable for that. Keep keep you in the moment. I mean, and that you, was
1: fun. Yeah, it
0: was fun. You had to play to the moment. I tried to enact that in our group years ago,
2: and I got lambasted for it. <laughs> I said, oh, that's just silly. That's just stupid. Well,
1: because we're in a group of cell phone addicts, too who have the attention span of a goldfish well and we, yeah. we partially use the what you know what happened last time is our way to yes. cut and start new mm-hmm. it's kind of a trigger of okay well now it's game time but i'm really bad at that as a gm mm-hmm. i don't do good table control do you want me to be your enforcer wayne is that what you're asking no, I'm just saying it's something I'm not particularly good at. That I should be. I'll better be at. your
0: enforcer. I like yelling at people.
1: I should do a better <laughs> job of calling people out and things yeah. like that. I only have
0: to talk down Broder. Outside of that, everyone else, I can just let you guys just tucker yourselves out. Mm-hmm. I just have to wait. <laughs> <Is> that, okay. <laughs> Broder is so, the only one I have to proactively manage. So I hate that. That's my Game Master Christmas. Okay.
2: Or my, my player. Christmas. My player Christmas yeah. present in the skies of glass game.
0: <laughs> I don't
2: want you to wait for us to tuck ourselves out because i come in yeah and i i compartmentalize things in my life okay right? and th- this is how i do time management when it is time to eat it is time to eat it is not time to play video games or read it is time to eat and this is how i man and, and now apply that to all this other stuff not on a schedule it's just the time is now and this is the compartment i'm in and i go so when i come to gaming for me it is sit down and it is time for gaming now that doesn't mean that i am I am roleplay bot, and you know, it's time to roleplay, but it's more like, oh, yeah, we joke around a bit, and uh, you know, I'm ready to go, guys. And your style
1: is Dan is the king of passive
2: aggressive sit there, (laughs) just watch disapprovingly. We have sat there for an hour (laughs) while everybody is just jacking each other off about what show they've seen that week and who can be the biggest nerd about who knows the most about marvel trivia as we just wank 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 the answer's me th- it is always you that's
1: why i don't say anything i don't compete but this is something that dan has done as yeah. long as i have known him as a gm in my first game i remember him doing this he'd sit back i can sit here all night yeah <laughs> I, I remember that phrase and brodor looks at me as i sit there and i'm
2: fuming right <laughs> i don't say anything because i know that if i say something like guys we need to shut up and game which eventually I do I I just lose my shit but I know that it will actually keep it going in a way yeah because people will joke about it and then that spins off more jokes and brodor calls me out on it. he's like I don't know he he makes some joke I don't know exactly what he says but it's more like you know chad you know what's with that look why are you you know what are you mad at I'm like I hate you
1: all. I yeah. want a game I want to bring in a water gun and just squirt brodor yes Yes. No, that's just going to create new issues. Yeah. <laughs> He'll be like, like "Yes, yeah. Daddy, more." Right yeah. I, I actually did that at work to some to a guy once. <laughs> everyone always harassed him about. So you remember the movie Up? Yeah, where they had the dog that it, would do. I know, I know yeah, what it the, is. the dog would do squirrel. Yeah, yeah. That was what everyone would do with him. Mm -hmm. you know it's basically they were talking about how he would constantly squirrel things so we're in the course of one meeting and he goes off on a tangent and i bring the water gun up and just squirt him (laughs) and the whole room just kind of claps
0: that was Broderie. you'd have to threaten it was some kind of a cult artifact
1: (laughs) you know i almost on a note card i was seriously i like looked it up on my phone real quick which is Mm -hmm. where i don't normally pull open my phone during the game I looked up a Ouija board, and it's like, can I draw a Ouija board or a note card and just slide the card over to him <laughs> and see his reaction? And then I remembered, I have no artistic ability whatsoever, and it would take a really long time. It's a lot of writing to write yeah. on
0: a Ouija board.
1: I would want to do it ahead of time and just have it in a pocket or something. Well,
2: one of the things that I do as a Game Master is I understand people have got to get some stuff out. It's a social event. These are your friends. You walk in the door, and you haven't seen these in the Skies of Glass case have seen these people in two weeks. You yeah. know, like one of our players has a new job and another player is getting married and another player has all kind of stuff going on <laughs> all the time. You're doing stuff. Same thing with you, Dan. You're always doing stuff. And so there's always this we want to talk and we want to find out what's going on in each other's lives and we want to catch up. And so when I run a game and for my Sunday game, thank God it's weekly. So there's actually a little bit less of that, but it's still there. We come in. 30 minutes, sit down, everybody sits down, they're talking, and we, it's that upstairs-downstairs thing that we talked about several episodes ago. Everyone's talking, and I'm joining in a little bit, but they're talking back and forth, and I don't know if you've ever noticed this, I'm looking up and behind you guys, because there's a clock there on the wall, and I am looking at the clock, timing it. And when it hits 30, I'm like, who's ready to go downstairs? Now, sometimes they surprise me, and they're like, hey, are you ready to game? I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to game, let's do this. (laughs) And so that that's how I handle it. I hate your style, Dan. It drives me <laughs> berserk. I'm going to
0: murder somebody. So
1: here's... It's, the passive-aggressive just gets to me, too. Oh, here's.
0: Do you my, need me to be your enforcer? I'll be your enforcer. I'm not stopping you from doing it. Does, is, uh, is that a
2: tacit... You that know, was, Andrew Jackson going yeah. to Sam Houston's like, no, I'm not telling you to invade Texas. But, but I'm just saying I
0: won't stop, stop you. you. Yeah. <laughs> but all right. So my next thing for Player Christmas is GMs, do not confuse obstructionism or delay with meaningful plot, all right? If I can tell you how this is going to end, why don't we just skip there? Let me give you an example. I was playing in a guy's D&D game, and we had to retrieve an artifact from the Air Temple. Mm -hmm. Okay, you want to guess what the next three plot points were? Earth, fire. Yeah, and water, temple. Okay, so that's one example of this. I could also throw obstructionism. In the Fire Nation attack. With that where there's the MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. battle rights i should have the mcguffin but the gm has x number of hours or x number of games they feel artificially compelled to fill and so they just throw something in the way it, mm. it's just not there it's just you can't reach out and grab it it's yeah and this wasn't some planned sleight of hand or trap or feint or whatever this is just crap they're doing on the fly to i mean it's like when you watch a 30 minute sitcom Whatever changed in the time of that sitcom, you know, is not going to matter by the end of the sitcom because they can't have it affect the overall mm-hmm. continuity. Right. I mean, and not least until more recent TV shows. For a long time, that was the case, and it's that sort of thing. Or if you have the Quest show, mm-hmm. the show where it's about like Battlestar Galactica, we're looking for Earth. Mm-hmm. You know, they are not going to find right. Earth until the end of the series. Yep. Any time where you know there's seasons or episodes left, they they quote-unquote found earth you know damn well it can't be earth right just because they have space to fill between here and there and that really really drives me nuts and i think it's because of i guess something similar to my prior thing of it just kind of feels like my contribution really doesn't matter the gm wants me to paint by numbers and i'm just painting the numbers they've set forth and i'm not done until we've gotten through the busy work Mm -hmm. you know i have to go into the air temple wasn't enough now we have to Mm -hmm. go to the earth temple the water temple the fire temple or if they're feeling really creative maybe there's like a fifth one of the spirit temple <laughs> or something like that i mean
2: it's love temple
1: wayne so my next one is i love it when a gm knows how to walk the balance of telling you to roll versus not telling you to roll mm-hmm. if it doesn't matter to the plot if it failure it doesn't make it more interesting why are you making someone roll right Unless the person just really likes to roll dice, and then that's your reason why you're, you're doing it. Yeah. Because there are other people like that. They along the, these dice, they want to use them. Along those same lines, I roll really poorly a lot. <laughs> so if I come up with something that makes sense, that there's no reason why it would fail, and it's a that's a really cool idea, there's no reason that should fail, roll. But wait, you've got to understand, though,
0: we always talk about the Game Master tool bag, there's mm-hmm. many tools on it. You have to understand that you are a socket wrench that as a game master i've come to rely upon your endless failures as a plot tool and
1: i know chad does this as well Well, yeah when he wants the party to fail he will have me make the role like wouldn't it yeah. be
0: really weird if somehow i don't they... even believe you actually have bad
1: luck like, but you still do it.
2: that
0: sort of thing but i still do it like yeah. if somebody could die from tying their shoes wayne's gonna be the one to make that role
1: yeah i could see myself doing it too i mean I remember one time in Skies of Glass we're rolling 2d6s and I end up, I can't remember, I think I had 3d6 and I Mm -hmm. rolled 3d6 twice in a row and got ones, all ones, both times. That should not be possible. When I'm a game
2: master, I am guilty of this. Jump over the bottomless ravine, but it's only like a two foot gap, right? And these are seasoned adventurers. Circus acrobats who are ninja training, right? This should just be window dressing of this horrible three foot wide unknown. Why yeah. is this even here? Chasm, and I, I'll say, oh, just roll me a D twenty, just don't roll low, sort of thing. It's like, oh, okay, boop, one, and
1: there should be no reason I do that. I don't know why I do it. It seems like. I've it's, seen the look on your face when you do that before. Yeah. it's like, just don't roll a one. And then they roll a one. And I've seen that look on your face of, well, what do I do now? I didn't expect them to fail that. Right. And that's the thing. It should be, if you did not expect them to fail it, why did you make them
2: roll? Yeah. It doesn't add to the story, the tension, the plot. You know, And I, I think very excellent arguments can be made about how rolling dice and random outcomes add to the uncertainty of something and add to the tension and really help the plot along because it takes in unknown directions. But yeah, something like that, where the acrobatic ninja seasoned warriors deftly leap over a three-foot chasm, why do I make them roll? And I think that it's because it seems like it's something that you should do in a role-playing game. I don't even know. Like You shouldn't go swimming 30 minutes after you eat food. Well, there's absolutely no reason why you can't. You absolutely can and should, and there's no problem. But it's just so ingrained of, oh, we'll just make that little nothing roll just to see if it works out okay. It has been in every Game Master I've ever played under, and it is a bad habit that I have from that.
1: Yeah, and it's one of those things that, on the other side, if you never make them roll, some people will be really frustrated. I have all of these skills, why am I not rolling any of them? why are we only rolling dice for combat when i have all of these other skills that's the other extreme that i've seen as well so that's why i say i a good gm can walk that balance and not make people roll for stupid stuff but give them an opportunity to roll for Mm -hmm. because people like rolling dice
2: yeah there, there are some people i mean they they bought the dice they want to use them they showed up to a game where you roll dice they want to roll dice
1: that's totally legit yeah, I've pushed for a system once because I wanted to use a variety of dice. Mm-hmm. We were playing a lot of just D6 games, and it's like, but I have a 12, and I have a 10, and an 8, right. and I want to roll a variety. I will get, I will
2: say that about Dungeons & Dragons. They do use the variety of dice that yeah. you have. So, Oh, it's my turn? Yes, it's oh, your turn. Geez. Does this have to be specific, general advice that can be applied to all of our listeners? Or is this Chad's Christmas present? This is Chad's Chad's Christmas present. I brought this up before, and I'll say it again. I hate medical dramas in role-playing games. They are painfully boring. And what I mean by medical drama is... And we've talked about this in Skies of Glass, and Dan, I think you're handling it really, really well by basically kind of ignoring how injured my character is my yeah. character should be hospitalized and we're kind of putting a lampshade on it or at least that's what i've kind of perceived what a hospital drama in a role-playing game is is not we're playing hospital the rpg where everyone plays doctors and patients and that that's what you're supposed to do that sounds awful to me anyway but what i'm talking about is you're playing DD or you play Shadowrun, or you're playing any role-playing game you can possibly think of and a character gets seriously injured and you're playing a relatively reasonable realistic role-playing game and you know they have a sucking chest wound you save them you stabilize them well they're going to be in a hospital for a long time or you're going to continue the adventure and they have to role play out they have a broken arm and there's no magical healing in this game or no technological magic healing they have a broken arm from this fight or whatever, or because they tried to jump over a three foot chasm and (laughs) I made a roll for it. They (laughs) failed. So now they have a a broken arm and they have to role play that out. It's not that they have a disadvantage and they have to role play the disadvantage. That's not what I hate. I like that. I hate the ongoing medical drama of it where anything they try to do, it's not that it's harder in terms of role or role playing or, It's a challenge. It's that they can't do it. You know, they break both their legs. Yeah. And now they're in a wheelchair,
0: and there's no handicap accessible doors anywhere. Well, yeah. How many characters have you seen in a game that are asthmatic? Right. Now, if you can remember one, there's a reason why you can remember that one, because it is going to stick out like that, because you don't want to deal with the constant... I mean, there's some stories where that makes sense. There's some characters where that makes sense, where that is a part Mm -hmm. of the story, that's a part of the character. But generally speaking, you don't want people... I can certainly see as a player that it's rather frustrating to constantly be dealing with the, okay, this is a great story, but you can't go, because you're stuck home convalescing.
1: Right. On the other side of that, because this is another one where I think you have to walk a balance, I get frustrated if it's a realistic game and you're never harmed yeah and
2: it's a realistic game but you're playing by dungeons and dragons fifth yeah. edition rules where you just
1: you, i got stabbed through the chest with a sword eh, that's just a flesh wound that's short rest it's short rest and then do a healing yeah. surge and then you're good to yeah. go i'm fine with that in D. yeah that's a like big magical world with magical healing and Absolutely. all of that and but in skies of glass
2: i mean what do you do yeah or, or some realistic game The thing I hate about it, too, is we because we talked about we did like almost a whole episode on this one time was the example was when my character got all beat up and he was down hard. And in the same fight, one of the NPCs got put down hard, even worse than my character. So that's an NPC is out of the action. A player character is out of the action. We have a doctor on our team who has to in character monitor us and be with us is out of the action. I believe that there was another character or another NPC who didn't want to leave our side and help the doctor. Well, in an insane fight, Wayne's character got killed. And then Wayne's <laughs> character got killed. And then the icing on the cake is that the players who weren't severely injured are off role-playing. They are running around and doing things yeah. and talking to each other. And they're talking to each other about things that are going on in the plot and not, gee, Doc, I've got a sucking chest wound. I really hated getting shot. (laughs) Let's role play this for 30 minutes. They are talking about plot, interesting stuff, and rolling around and doing interesting things while the NPCs, PCs, and the doctor, and the person helping the doctor are literally, they might as well be unconscious.
1: Yeah. So what is your Christmas gift from a GM to deal with that?
2: Well, that's going to be their problem to deal with it. (laughs) I'm just a player. (laughs) To be honest with you, how you deal with it, my Christmas present is don't do a medical drama. My solution for this, how to enact this, is it's really going to vary game by game. I think Dan is doing a really good job of walking this fine line in the Skies of Glass game. Especially with my character, because my character is, would be considered a, quote, frontliner if we were playing D&D, and so he is constantly getting injured. And he knows my preferences. And so my character is really severely injured, and I role play that a bit, but he doesn't
0: force anything on me. There's there's a bit of a hand. Okay, wave to so it. one of the things in the world that I really hate is fun size candy bars, because <laughs> there is nothing fun about less candy. Right. All right, Th- these yep. are not fun size; these are bullshit cheap ass size, <laughs> is what they are. No, a king size is a fun size candy bar. Okay, yeah. I don't get excited about like a Snickers bar the size of my thumb. <laughs> what I have found helps in these games is not to take away consequence, mm-hmm. but it's to get to the resolution quickly. Yes. So if the consequence is you are dead, boom, you're dead, you make a new character, you're back in the fun. If the consequence is you're not dead, but you're injured, okay, we'll make some... Because well, we want the doctor to have some time in the spotlight. Yes, so absolutely. we'll make some medical rolls, and you're going to be down for an, overnight, not mm-hmm. not the Literal night, but I mean the in game night. So yeah. for the next several hours of the game's internal mm-hmm. clock, you know, you're kind of down getting bandaged. And after that, okay, you've got a temporary minus five to this attribute. Yep. But that's resolution. You're back in the yeah. game. It's just any role you make is going to have that penalty until this wound heals itself off. But we at least have gotten past, if this was court, we've gotten past the penalty phase. Yeah. We have dealt out the penalties. You've got your jail sentence. We're moving on because there is nothing fun about less gaming.
1: Yeah. Now yep. you can have fun and We're or- talking to you, Savage Worlds, and your shaking mechanic. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs>
0: you can have fun in a game where there is disadvantage. Mm-hmm. You can have fun in a game where there's consequence, maybe even including death. Now I realize some players are gonna feel differently about this than others, but I don't think anybody enjoys The solution being less gaming. Right. And that's what I've tried to do with Skies of Glass is if an NPC's out of the action, uh, that's one thing. Yeah. But if one of you guys are down, it's a gentleman's agreement. Mm -hmm. Look, you have an injured right arm in the game. Yeah. As long as you're paying attention to your right arm and not stressing it, Mm -hmm. you're not telling me that you're trying to single-handedly push a car uphill with just your right arm. Yeah. I don't feel the need to get involved. In fact, I've been role-playing
2: that it's in uh, a sling, a sling yeah. and in fact, I've even handed my firearm
0: over to another character yeah. who doesn't carry guns because I can't use it. In previous games, we've gone through the roles and role-playing mm-hmm. of Brandon's character giving you medical attention right. and bandaging it and checking on it and mm-hmm. you know things like that. So it's not like we just completely ignored it and you do carry a stat penalty, no, but boom, yeah, it, yeah, but sure we got that. it done it's done and you're back in your back end Yeah. No, and, that's and that's the best way to do it
2: is you need to make the character mobile so that they can keep up with the rest of the people and you need them to be able to interact with the group so that they can role play and be meaningful like you said there's mind there has to be consequence because if there's no consequence why are you playing a bloody very realistic game on the other hand if it's nothing but consequence then you can't even play the game and like i said dan i think that you're you're walking a very fine line and you're doing a great job of it but as a player in general that's what i want i want no medical drama
0: you know a game that is great for that is a bit of a tangent here star trek mm. because there are only two types of injuries in star trek <laughs> those that a hypospray can heal you from in about 30 minutes and those where you don't exist. Right. <laughs> <laughs> those where you make a new character. Either you're, way... You're a blasted shadow on a wall. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, you're you're a, a shadow on a wall or a pile of dust on the ground or whatever. Or you're down, but you're going to be back up after mm-hmm. the stun wears off or after somebody sprays your disruptor wound with a hypo spray. I mean, there's. it's not a game that has a whole lot of, wow, I'm convalescing for yeah. the next three games. It's on you now. Okay, so... My player Christmas is, and this is one that I've not really dealt with with anyone at this table, but oh lordy, have I dealt with it in gaming. Love the PCs more than your NPCs. Mm -hmm. If you are a game master who loves your NPCs that much, great. write a book about them. Right. It is my player Christmas when my player character is able to exert control over or whatever, to just have some kind of story-level importance over the NPCs. There's no such thing as an NPC that's untouchable. There's no such thing as an NPC whose story gets in front of mine. I'm never sitting there watching the GM tell this great story about their NPCs, their characters, as opposed to mine. And I can't really rail on this too much because you two have never done this to me. Mm -hmm. But once again, good heavens have I had Mm -hmm. this done to me. I've had it done in regular settings. I've had this done at cons. I've had this done all over the place where I just get to follow around in the shadow of these NPCs. I'm constantly being reminded how much better they are and how much more important they are than my player. I really don't care. I, I, I didn't... NPCs are tools... For Game Master,
2: they're a means to an end. They are flavor. They are a way for the players to get motivated. They are there to give them something to care about. They're there to give them something
0: to hate or something to love. In fact, there's something I really, that kind of bothers me. Because, and I'm not trying to be a grammar Nazi here, but I think language matters. And, and let me explain the context I'm using this sun. The language that we use does at least to an extent shape the way that we view things, okay? We can look at words that have shifted meaning over time, and we use or don't use them anymore based on the way they've shifted. Now, some of these get way down political and religious rabbit holes that I don't want to chase, but one of them that has really bugged me lately, and I'm going to mention something pseudo-political, which I don't want to do, but I kind of need to do to explain the context of this, but I, I don't want to get caught on a big tangent about this, is there's something going around right now called the NPC meme, I don't know if you guys have seen this or not, but yeah. it's basically a way of saying that people that are in certain political ideologies, they're like NPCs in a Final Fantasy game. They have two or three lines they repeat every time you talk to them, and they mm-hmm. don't really... All right, I, I'm not getting into that, because that's not what this podcast is about. The only reason I'm mentioning it at all is because of the fact that in trying to explain this meme to the general public, several news publications have described NPC as standing for non-playable character. Mm. Now, that bothers me because NPC has traditionally always meant non-player character, not non-playable character. The issue is not simply that this is a badass character you can't play. The issue is that this is a character that is not under a player's control. It it doesn't represent anything about the player. The player never played this character, never would play this character, never wanted to play this character. They are a part of the character's story. The issue is not that, wow, they're badass, but I'm simply not allowed to reach out and control them. The truth is that they are some degree, and maybe even a huge degree, maybe they're really important and really intricate and really badass, but ultimately they are an accessory to the player story. Mm -hmm. And it is very important, I think, to note that the NPC has a taxonomical difference from a player character that goes beyond my ability to grab control of them cuz you know what in our games at least we do have people playing npcs all the time mm-hmm, yeah. we do have people grabbing control of non player characters on a temporary basis to enhance the story they're absolutely playable but that's not who the story's about the story's about right. the players and the players are not characters the players are the people that control and created and are invested in and telling the story of certain characters and so i to that seeing people and I'm not going to say it's a mislabeling, because I'm sure the language is flexible enough, that over the years, I'm sure somebody has used both for this, this acronym. But it bothers me that the one that's getting mainstream traction is non-playable character, because I think that kind of changes ever so slightly, but in a significant way, particularly in role-playing games. The distinction between a PC and an NPC, which is the story is about PCs featuring NPCs. It is not equally about PCs and NPCs, I just can only control the
1: PCs. Yeah. Chatting on something else with a from an NPC, describing them as a tool that's there for you to either love or hate. Mm-hmm. An NPC that players hate because you want them to hate it? That's great. But a GM also needs to be watching their NPCs to see, do the players not care about it? Right. Does this NPC boring them? Mm-hmm. Do they hate this NPC, not because their characters are supposed to hate it, but because... They find it really annoying and don't want to interact with it. Yeah, and along yeah. the same lines, if a GM is too caught up in their NPCs, they don't necessarily see that these are not interesting characters for the players.
0: I said it once, say it again: your games are a marketplace. Yeah. And you're selling ideas. Well, there's certainly also a difference between I hate the NPC and I hate the GM. <laughs> right. <laughs> or I hate the GM for what they're doing with this NPC. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That it, the NPC is simply an expression of the GM's problems. You know, it's not a character you mm-hmm. love to hate.
1: My next one. I love it when I handed a GM a backstory and that then comes out in the plot. Oh, God, yes. Why did I fail to mention this one? My backstory matters. Yes. Particularly... Here's a character in the backstory. That character shows up at some point, yeah. and there's something going on with them, or an event that's mentioned in the backstory happens. And I don't mean I want the GM to look through everything I gave them and work every little piece in, Yeah, but I want it to feel like a world that I have had an impact on, and having my backstory pop up during the course of the game makes me feel like I'm more a part of that game. This is why I am really, really, really heavily
2: into and do it all the chances I can get when I run a game is collaborative world building. Don't just have them write a backstory about their character with three NPCs in it and you choose one or maybe a half a one and you enter it into your setting. Have them make the setting. Have them make the world, the politics, the religion. Have them make what is going on, the movers, the shaker. Have them make important NPCs because as they're doing that, they can make their character as well and integrate their character in that. So that you have all of these connections and you make the world with them. And instead of having to like read these basically short stories about each of the different characters and then try to shoehorn in some of these out-of-place characters,
0: the characters are already there. They're built with the world that was made yeah. collaborative. Well, see, and I don't have a problem with either approach, or even both approaches. I think the thing that I would want to know is simply that my contribution to the game, if I took the time to invest in it, you're at least going to give it the college try to make it matter. I'm not mm-hmm. saying I, as the player, get to dictate what must happen, but that the game master is at least going to reward that degree of investment that and don't overwhelm the Game Master with 75 oh, pages. 100%. So if, if I dump a novella in your lap, yeah. I don't expect that to be integrated in the game. But whether it's collaborative world building or whether I just give you a half sheet mm-hmm. of background and personality hooks, it is really, really nice. I'm 100% with Wayne on this to see that come up in the plot because it really does help this feel more like a shared story mm-hmm. and less like I am
1: simply a passenger to the GM story. It's something I trust both of you to do, and I've never seen you not do it. Mm -hmm. But I have seen in other games where you bring a character, and it's like, well, could have been any character on a sheet, because they're
2: just
1: just popped into the story, but not Mm -hmm. any actual tie to the story, no... Game
2: masters like that are telling their story, and the characters are incidental to it. And I'm sure people have played games like that and had a lot of fun. And there, I've sure. even met people who like they really want to play that kind of game because they don't want to do a big background and
0: they, a lot of module players.
2: Yeah, they want it, it's a ride. They want to get on the ride. Sure.
0: There, they, there is it, nothing wrong with Dungeon Crawl Classics. Yeah. It's not bad, wrong, fun. Yeah, but unless I sat down for that game, that's yeah. not going to make my Christmas. If you bring that, <laughs> right? You know what? I have these things that I got off the of Kickstarter. They're hilarious and they're wonderful. It is scratch off sheets for Dungeon Crawl Classics. (laughs) You literally take your thumbnail or a quarter or whatever, and you just scratch off the attributes, you scratch off your possessions, Mm -hmm. you scratch off, I think it's even a personality, whatever all's in there. You have no idea what you're playing, it doesn't even matter. You're right. This is just this is what you get, and that's what's there for the ride. And I played Dungeon Crawl Classics
1: and I've had fun doing it. Mm -hmm. There's once again, it's not bad, wrong fun. Yeah. But I've run a uh, Dungeon Crawl Classic character funnel. It was a lot of fun killing player characters like crazy. <laughs> and nobody is invested in the player characters because yeah. you sat down at the table knowing that yeah. is what you're doing. It's not like you sat down at the table planning for this incredibly deep story and now characters are being killed like crazy. You sat down knowing I'm going through a meat grinder. So I'm going to name a minion one, two and three.
0: Yeah, precisely. Yeah, Or so-and-so, senior, junior, the third, and the fourth. But, I mean, what I think goes back to what we're talking a few episodes back of the social contract, and I think this is an example of the Game Master simply observing the social contract. If I showed up to a meat grinder and we're playing, I don't know, whatever it is, Dungeon Crawl Classics, Temple of Elemental Evil, whatever, I mean, these types of games, then there's a certain social contract that I, as the player, need to accept. Conversely, if we have a social contract that says my player character matters, and under normal circumstances I ought to have a background that matters to the story or some chance to be involved in world building or whatever, and then to simply have that ignored—it's mm-hmm. like why did I bother? Right. I mean, at least if I had wasted my time playing a video game, I could account for what I did with it. I feel like I had fun doing it. <laughs> you know. I mean, not that writing characters is miserable, but still. My turn again? Your turn
2: again. So, my Christmas present is actually not to the game master, it's to the other players. Your obsession is not the group's problem. (laughs) Oh, I like where this is going. So, like, you might write something into your background, or maybe something comes up into the game where this is your thing! This is what you do, man! It's like you're all about it. And you get to the point where that's the only thing you're going to role play about. And that's the only thing that your character is going to focus on and do. And then when the spotlight gets put on you, this is what you're talking about. Yeah. You
1: become and, a Mega Man villain.
2: Yeah, pretty much. And I'm not even talking broad, general stuff. Like, well, my character is uh the fallen prince of an empire who wants to take his throne back. Well, that's a background. That's fine. But more like, there's a straight look, I'm saying this because there's a dog over here who's been making a lot of noise, but there's a dog in the village that is a stray dog. And the local kids were throwing rocks at it. So you chased off the kids, and now your thing, like, say you're op- the group is operating out of the village, like, a lot. You don't do anything unless it's about that dog. Your character isn't talking about anything unless it's about that dog. And it's like, okay, it's time to go and slay the dragon. It's like, well, we can't do that because we're going to bring Charlie along, and Charlie's going to get blown up by the dragon. So I got to find a place to sit I was like, oh, you know what? I don't give a crap about your
1: dog. You know, I,
2: It's the dragon. It's the town. It's the role-playing. I haven't
1: seen this happen with animals in games. Right. I've seen it happen with it's more kids. Yeah. And with, like, the uh, you pick up the orphan along the way. It's or,
2: the,
0: the group mom is a trope that really, I find, is, has gotten old I've for me. So I've seen it, though, not just with NPCs, but also I think when you're kind of starting to go there with group concepts, of things like... My goal is to free this one town. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. We're going to give that some spotlight, and that's going to be a plot point along the way. Okay, we need to go deal with the famine over there. Well, that's got nothing to do with the town I'm trying to free. Yeah. You guys can go deal with that, but i got I to stay here and keep working with the resistance. Yeah. No, seriously. <laughs> I mean, come, all right, come on. Yeah. Look, the, all the players are going that way. The plot's going that way. You know, Game Master can even look at you and make a nice gentlemen's or ladies or whatever agreement and say, okay, I promise you, the town is not going to be conquered by Hitler in your absence. <laughs> right. Can we please go deal with the famine? Can you be a team player? Yeah. You know, if you are not part of a team, if you're on team you, yeah, that's great. That's a side story. Become an NPC and the game master can keep up with team you through mm-hmm. the end of the campaign.
1: Yeah, let's look at this guy's a glass game. Chad did not do this, but mm-hmm. when we set up the this Round of it. We were going to be a group that goes in and we have like the breaching tool. Right. And we're going to be going in and breaking into old caches of things. Mm -hmm. Chad could have been the player that comes in and is like, there's no profit in that. Right. I've I've got a breaching tool. Why are why aren't we going into this bunker over here? Why are we going to Chicago? I tell you, one of the things that outside of a very
0: small number of settings and systems, at least for me, has been a real struggle, is money. Oriented groups for that reason alone, that if I don't dangle a cash incentive in front of them, they just won't do anything mm-hmm. and it's it's that same sort of thing now sometimes you get an individual character like that where if you're not prepared to bribe that one character, yeah, then suddenly they just don't
1: well Dan what does St Louis politics have to do with selling white on a river
0: right? yeah, well, actually it did have quite a bit to do with it, <laughs> but the, the, the point being though I, I understand your whole yep. I understand what you're saying in our Dresden game, we had a character who.
2: She ran a detective agency that specialized in missing and exploited children. Okay. Very noble. Sure. Extremely noble. None of our characters had anything to do with missing or exploited children. We didn't miss them. We didn't exploit them. We didn't have them. We didn't care about them. But that was her entire character background and everything was based around that. And so Wayne, to integrate her character in, had to have, detective plot lines that did that and she would go off and she would follow that while the rest of the group was over here doing the dresden files conspiracy elf whatever vampire sort of thing and wayne would like try to tie them around to get the two groups back to each other and i remember just sitting there and it was like her obsession with the children again very noble Mm -hmm. was not the game everybody else was playing. It was like she was playing a different game and we were playing this other game. And when Wayne would work it around to where the two would meet, you know, like maybe the conspiracy we were investigating was the conspiracy that was kidnapping kids. You know, that, that didn't happen, but it was something like that. And then, then we kind of came round together within the game and it's like, okay, well, well, there's this convergence now. Now the group's together. Now we can go off and fight the plot. And she's like, well, no, we got to get the children. What about the children? And we're like,
0: we don't care about kids. And I guess that makes us bad people. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, I've got one, and I'm gonna, we're going to wrap it up on this one. But I've got one that's it's related to that, but I think is distinct enough to be worth mentioning. This is another one player to player. I really think it is a healthy thing for players to be invested in each other's characters. And now that could come in the form of simply tying backstories together. But I mean beyond that that when we're playing, for me to say, Wayne, wow, that's kind of a cool thing. Where are you going with that with your character? Or if Wayne's having his moment in the spotlight, that I'm there to be Mm -hmm. part of that. I'm not there to steal that away from him. I'm not there to try and detract from that. But instead, I'm there to play it up. Because, I mean, it's like an art class. Mm -hmm. Everybody's bringing their creative input. The game master's usually bringing the lion's share. But the players each bring their creative input as well, and you know what it feels good to have the person next to you care about your bit of macaroni art mm-hmm. and in the same way, I think it's a great social thing for you to have enough empathy to care about their macaroni art. Mm-hmm. You know to say let's chase this, or wow, this would be a great chance to bring in Wayne's nPC or you know what Wayne, I know that that this wasn't Wayne 's character, but so I 'm just being facetious here, but I know we haven't done much with your detective agency for missing exploited children, right. but you know, I was just thinking that if this guy over here is doing this, I'll bet you there's there's probably a kid or two in there, and I'm gonna make it a priority to help you get them out of there. So I'm gonna show some kind of investment in mm-hmm. what you're doing. I'm gonna show curiosity about your backstory. If NPCs that are tied into your life come up, I could start role-playing yeah. with them and being like yeah, so Wayne, he's kind of, you know, uh, he's kind of a douche, you know. <laughs> what do you think about yeah. that? I mean, it's... Yeah.
1: Yeah, looking at uh, the Skies of Glass game, Eric's character, the you know, mm-hmm. Junior, was really interested in Blue, mm-hmm. Chad's uh, GC bird. And there were a few other moments like that where one character is interested in at least some aspect, and you get the chance to highlight... You got to highlight Blue and what Blue could do... Right because another character expressed interest in it, you get to show off that part of
0: mm-hmm. what your character was. Well, Brodor started off with his smoking thing, and then Eric mm-hmm. started playing into that. Yeah, You know, rather than just ignoring it, being like, well, that's Brodor's thing, Eric started playing into that and handing Brodor's character a cigarette without anyone Cigarettes. ever asking it. Yeah, yeah, without enough people, I should say anyone, without enough people or the right people asking the question,
1: where is he getting tobacco from in the right. West, where there are no tobacco farms? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It gives that opportunity to shine because if you were to be walking around, just showing off blue you might get a little egotistical. Oh, sure. If someone else gives you that opportunity, mm-hmm. then it's a group thing and then it's right. a lot more fun. And it's a, you get to show off without coming off as egotistical or full yeah. of yourself or mm-hmm. any of the other things that, it could be if you're you know trying to focus on your one special thing, yeah. all right,
0: cool, thanks we're gonna wrap this one up. uh check the show notes for the link to the stuff on the online convention, which once again, we're still just kind of testing the waters here, but because we're recording these episodes at a weird release interval, I don't know what the mm-hmm. where the waters are going on this, so be sure to check for that. Uh, beyond that, we'd love to hear what your player Christmas items are, or whether you want to tell us on Discord or Facebook or the forums or Twitter or whatever it is you do your thing, because God knows there's a wee bit of fragmentation in social media right yeah. now. So have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. Yeah. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2019. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to FearTheBoot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at FearTheBoot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy network of shows. You can find other great shows in this network at TheRPGAcademy.com network.